Okay. And now, one, two, three, clap. Oh, sorry. I screwed that up. I got all excited. <laughs> all right. Let's do that again. <laughs> all right. All right. Ready? My claps are going to be spiking all over the place. I can hear I can hear Kayvon's clap from inside the room with my headphones on. Yes, because those are big manly claps. Big manly, big manly claps. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I have small woman hands. They are not good for clapping. Me too. <laughs> it's my biological <laughs> destiny. Oh, <laughs> Well, this is this is why men rule the universe. Bio truths. Wow. Oh my god. This is why I have to wear lipstick to make myself look more sexually aroused oh because god. otherwise I would never get anything done with these small hands. Well, because oh. I I only have the brain of a lobster, so like I'm I see <laughs> red lipstick and it's like immediately triggering for me. Insects of the sea, so delicious. Oh man, we actually we actually have a um I don't know if you've ever been to one of these. They're they're I think they call them just broil places. And it's cut, the one next to us is Kai's Crab Broil. And you go mm. in and you tell them what you want, and they bring you out a giant bag with that they've just broiled a bunch of seafood and potatoes and shit in. Delightful. You just eat it out of the bag. Oh my God, it's so good. That does we, sound very good. We had something like that in San Francisco, and that's the only time I've ever experienced that. It was like a crawdad, it was like literally just a plastic bag full of. Like yeah. that, place, that place was Vietnamese Cajun fusion, so it was like a Vietnamese crawdad boil, not a broil. It was like this, a, this place. Oh, has sorry, that this place has that too. Almost that exact yeah. thing on the menu. It's like you want crawdads yeah. with Vietnamese and Cajun spices. Here you go. <laughs> a bag of them. So if I just want to clarify, like if any of my South African friends are listening, a crawdad is basically just a crayfish, but like way smaller. <laughs> like we call it a crayfish, and I don't know. I grew up. Not eating them often because they're obviously very expensive, but like they're like way bigger in South Africa. Like you get like a little, like a really meaty <laughs> little uh, crustacean. So, so whereas the crawdads that we had, it was like this is so small. How am I going to get anything out of this? Yeah, so those I, are farmed ones too. But anyway, sorry. Oh, anyway. okay. I was going to ask. I was going to because I was going to say in my mind, I'm thinking like South Africa seafood should be cheaper because it's a peninsula, right? Yes. Seafood is very cheap. Oh, okay. Yeah. By, by American standards, I mean, if you live in South Africa and you earn rands and you're paying like 30% tax, then yeah. <laughs> depending on what you want to eat, maybe not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got dollars and you want to go there for a holiday, I can recommend all the seafood restaurants to eat. <laughs> yeah. So like, to put it into perspective for like dollars, we um, like she took me to a place for my birthday when the first time I visited that was one of those, like, they take you to a case and you order by the gram how much of, like, what the different stuff that you want. And we got, what, like, appetizers, sushi, like, two and a half kilograms of fucking, like, seafood or some shit. It was, like, ridiculous. Just, like, a crazy amount of seafood. Uh, like, nice scotch, a really nice bottle of wine, all of this stuff. The bill was less than $100. Wow. 
But I also had to save for months before Kayvon came to be able to afford that meal for him. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. So perspective, it's yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's- it, it is it is a weird perspective shift because like whenever I travel, I think that the food's super cheap unless it's in Europe that it's super expensive, right? But like, I have to think about the fact that realistically, the money I make goes so much farther because they're dollars, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, that's it exactly. I mean, it's just a really favorable conversion rate for you. It, I want a I. I earned a vac- a free vacation from one of the jobs that I was at and it was in Putacana in the Dominican Republic and it was a all expenses paid resort type thing oh my but god but the only food you could really get was from like their buffet mm-hmm. and by the end of it Nancy and I were so sick of the like <laughs> Of the like F grade lobster that we were eating, the, like, <laughs> we we never wanted to see seafood again for like that's, three months. That's fair. Fucking grade F lobster. It was so rubbery and bad. It was uh mm. like I didn't actually. I never. I knew that like places like Red Lobster and stuff were like bottom barrel lobster a lot of the times, but like. I didn't really understand what bottom barrel lobster was until I got there. Because if you right. went like an hour west, you'd find like locals cooking good food. <laughs> right. <laughs> not, not just like resort grade F lobster, not with yeah. more horse testicles. Mm, horse testicles. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that episode where it's like, I can't remember. I think it's when... um. Willie's trying to get Santa's little helper out of the uh, out of the air ducts, and they do the whole alien bit where he's like in the air ducts in the school with him. But like yeah. before, and he barges into the um, into the cafeteria, and the lunch lady's like stirring this fat, and like next to it is a big drum that just says a like, grade F meat, now with more horse <laughs> testicles. <laughs> oh, he's like grits me up, woman! And, like rips off his shirt, and he's all ripped, and she just looks at him, she's like, okay. Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah. I'd I'd grease up groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> Who wouldn't, man? Those fucking pecs and those abs. My goodness. Scott Scottish peak performance. <laughs> exactly. All right, all right. Uh, so uh, first, start out with uh, welcome back, everyone, to EXO Friends and on the Elder Millennial Network. They we are talking about episode six today. Which is titled Veil of Doom, Doom. Part One Target Earth. I, again, just love these titles. Um, <laughs> special, special shout out to our first patron, Jordan. I'm sorry it's going to take so long for you to hear this. It's, it is episode <laughs> six, and we didn't start. Uh, we didn't start putting up episodes until pretty late. Um, and. Yeah, if everyone wants to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash network, and we really appreciate any and all support that you guys can give. And you don't have to do that either. You can leave comments, like, and subscribe, all that social media jazz, and it really helps us out. And now for the introductions, I'm David Hoyt, and I am joined by... Kayvon Fashami. And Lexi DeCarning. Welcome back, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Everything good on the New Year's? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, you know, still just sitting in our apartment more often than not, not leaving home for days 
on end and time is losing meaning and has really truly become a flat circle. But you know, it's whatever. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> as an, as an in- <laughs> exactly. As an introvert who started uh, painting miniatures, this is working okay for me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> at, at least one of us is calm, cool, and collected. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to help Cave on through this, but <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll pull him through. You'll pull him through. If, I I I worked from home for years before this happened, so I was used to it. But I worked in an office for a year and a half before this, or two years mm-hmm. before this happened. And now that I'm working from home again, I'm like, I don't ever want to go back to the office. Yeah, that I that I 100 like. It's really nice. I don't miss commuting. I had like an hour commute before this all happened, and like. I don't miss commuting. I don't miss having to get up at like four o'clock in the fucking morning to get ready for work and all this shit. But, you know, nowadays it's like, I'd like to be able to go out after work. Yes, that would do be something. Nice. I'd like to, you know, just sit in a crowd. I don't care where or what we're doing. I just like want to be around people. <laughs> fucking miss it. You can join the uh, Open Ohio protests that are uh, at the corner of, my, of the corner of my CVS. They stand there without masks, waving signs, and shouting at traffic with uh, with loudspeakers. Those There's guys only like total bosses. I'm sure they're like just lovely, wonderful people to like say have Thanksgiving dinner with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, there's only about ten of them every time I see them, but like every time, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> bless your hearts. <laughs> they're trying. It's they're cold trying to make as well. Better. So well, we all know it's the five G towers that are making people sick. So this coronavirus business is just a hoax. No, it's when you take the vaccine, the vaccine turns you into a chimera and a 5G tower yourself. Like your oh. body becomes an emitter of 5G. That's how it works. Anyway. That's right. That's right. I should have forgotten the, the science on that one. My bad. So we're, bu- we're building a better internet by doing that, then, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can, we can right? all relay signals and we'll be really close and it will build a truly interconnected world. Yeah. Until Joe Biden flips the mind control switch. Right, right. Yeah. And we all turn into satanic pedophiles running pizza shops. Mm, pizza. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> At least we get pizza out of the deal. I'll hail the new world order. Uh, Target Earth. Okay. <laughs> Appropriate. Right. Well, so so we ended, we ended the first... What I look at is story arc in the last episodes, and now we're taking mm-hmm. this this year long jump in the future, where JT Marsh and Able Squad have spent a year in in ar- space army jail. I guess they call it a brig, uh, because they disobeyed orders. But that's better than being executed, I guess. Like JT was about to be, and uh, the he. I like how they don't do the thing where you know they just have a subtitle that says 365 days later or one year later. It actually shows JT like some kind of old-timey prisoner marking on the wall yeah. how many days have gone by. And again, like just JT not respecting the prison janitors who have to come in and clean that up at some point. Right. Um, unless they leave it there as like a warning. They're like, this could happen to you. Yeah. Like, you two could be in here for a year instead of being executed. Right. Well, I I think it also really, it just reads well for kids. Because I remember so many, like, 
TV shows doing similar things when I was a child. And I was like, oh, yeah, if I'm ever imprisoned, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to okay. count the days by scratching the wall. <laughs> Just kind of. <laughs> Start writing like random ramblings in, in like finger blood to make the other other prisoners afraid of you. Like that guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> right. Don't go near him. In the in the rough like extra fleet brig. Where it's doggy dog, every man for himself. I do I, I do like the the group shot as all of Able Squad leaves the brig into like the light into like the light of goodness and just yes. enormous mullets. That that you see when they're not wearing like their exo squad headgear. I, yeah, it because it's like they're walking towards the light, so they're kind of silhouetted. But they also, to me, it read like somewhere between yeah, like an eighties kind of uh, glam rock band meets like a giant K-pop operation. Because there's what like eight of them. I don't know, and they look like they're about to walk out on stage, you know, to like a massive stadium of people, adoring fans. There's also this like really awkward where they all like put their arms around each other's waists, and like the animation's a little wonky and clunky. It's like the it's like they kicked this one over to the B team, and the B team got like really ambitious. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if they all like embraced and put their arms around each other and headed out into the light and like bless their hearts, they tried as hard as they could, but that's the best they could come up with. Is, I, I'm not sure who's standing next to Marsala, but I imagine like whoever drew that person's arm had to like extend it a few inches <laughs> to get around Marsala. Well, right. <laughs> uh, we already talked about Bronski being the bard, but if they were a glam rock K-pop band, <laughs> what what instrument would Marsala play? He's got to be the like so like. I don't, I mean, forgive my ignorance with K-pop. It's, uh, uh, I'm in my, in yeah, I don't know anything about it. Graybeard years. Yeah. It's just slipped past me. But if, it, if it's any, in any way analogous to like American boy bands, uh, he's got to be like the, the older brother one, like the one that's like, oh, the nice older brother. Um, or like your friend's nice older brother. Who's like, you know, you have a little crush on him, but he's like, still like, you know, the like more avuncular kind of semi-paternal figure. You have a crush on him because he's safe, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And unattainable. There you go. There yeah. you go. There yeah. You go. <laughs> I just, I, I, I mentioned K-pop because there's like a lot of them. And I know from what I've seen, K-pop bands featuring, you know, any gender of people, they seem to always be like eight to ten people on stage at any one time, I was gonna which say, I love. We go, to, we go to the Korean barbecue place. Well, we used to go to the Korean barbecue place near our house. And they would always have K-pop playing on uh, the screens and there would be like bands of 15 people dancing, but like it would always focus on like the front three and they'd be the one like doing the singing and stuff, but they were all like these perfectly sculpted male bodies what in like, in like a thin attractive fashion. But like, it just struck me as weird. They almost looked like they were grown like Neo Sapiens. That's that's what they're <laughs> they're 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 a K-pop cloning operation gone wrong. Oh man, which is where it would be fun to see, uh, like after the show's events come to a conclusion, like the future of Neo Sapiens. Like, are there going to be things like Neo Sapien boy bands? That would be fantastic. <laughs> I can't imagine that music. Uh, well. So um, the after after they walk towards the light, we immediately snap cut to the opening of the Amanda Connors show, and I would I would absolutely watch this this talk show if it was on like E late at night or something. <laughs> right. 
it's really weird because like they have this they have this cartoony intro and at some point they're introduced they're saying like this is the year anniversary of the neo-sapien order with our leader phaeton and the little cartoon Mm -hmm. amanda connors like starts bowing in reverence to phaeton right it's super it's super disconcerting i also i also love the uh the announcer whose name is stentor and I didn't bother to look up if that means anything, but the, he's a Neo Sapien in like a tuxedo, and he's really doing a good job. Like he needs his own, he needs his own TV show. Yeah, I mean he's got a beautiful voice for like television and radio, and they uh, like first off the fact that he's in a tuxedo is fantastic. Um, just like Neo Sapien in a tuxedo, and then his collar is like popped up and like what three or four inches long. It like goes up past his chin. <laughs> it's just like this fantastic style. Well, that's the that's the old '80s '90s um, trope of the bigger the collar, the more like evil and powerful the person. So right. like his collar is really down low compar- comparatively to some others. Actually, I, I, now that I think about it, I can't think of a bunch of them that are wearing pop collars. But it indicates just how evil well, the Osapiens. Wasn't are. there that? <laughs> I mean, we can cut this if it if needs be. But wasn't there that anime that we watched? You showed me when we were at, in high school. Yes. It was like. Everyone who had like a big collar was super evil, and the more important you were, the taller you were. And there's like that scene where the one kid's dad, who was like a king or some shit, was like walking away, and he's as tall as these like thirty foot trees on the side of the road. Yes, that was called Lotus War. I actually Lotus War. That's that's fucking. I was trying to remember what that was called the other day. Where where the collars are huge, and every sword gets knocked out of your hand to land blade down perfectly in the ground after a thirty second animation of it flying through the air. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you, that's how you that's how you spend animation. Budget right there. <laughs> I I actually introduced that to some friends about a year ago, and they were all like, "What are we watching?" And a mutual friend of ours just sent me a postcard because she likes to do that to like just to like have a nice little connection with people. And she's like, "I was just thinking about the time we watched Lotus Wars together all that time ago, and it made me feel happy." It's <laughs> awesome. I think I know who you're talking I... about. Bless your heart. Uh. If I'm thinking about the same person, then yes. Um, I did look up Stentor quickly, so while you guys were thinking about things. And so apparently, firstly, a Stentor is a type of protozoan with a trumpet-shaped body. The mouth at the broad end and the narrow end is often attached to a substrate. Um, but more importantly, and probably more relevant, Stentor, according to Wikipedia, was a herald of the Greek forces during the Trojan War. He's mentioned briefly in the Iliad. Um, in which Hera, in the guise of Stentor, whose voice was as powerful as 50 voices of other men, encourages the Greeks to fight. Elsewhere, Stentor is said to have died after losing a shouting contest with Hermes. So, again, someone on the writing staff of the show definitely had, like, a classics degree. Yeah. (laughs) Else would you know? Yeah. And this is like a throwaway character. Like, we never really see Stentor again, do we? No. At least not that that I That's such a great name. Right. And a and a damn shame. Like honestly, like Stentor could do his own like spin-off. What if so. what if what if uh it, it, like you know it, it just just a slight modification to the series. They replaced the Charles McKenna voice narrator with Stentor. <laughs> there you go. It's been 50 <laughs> years since the Neo Sapien uprising. Everything sounds better from Stentor. That's no, a t- that's really cool that again another name that comes from like some cool uh, classical reference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody That's definitely awesome. has a classic degree. Uh, the uh, 
they they cut away from the show and the the it, they they go to Shiva who's in some control room and he's talking to one of his lackeys and they see an asteroid coming towards Earth, which pretty sure is not the right phrase if something comes into Earth's orbit, right? But uh, the there's an exofleet ship hiding behind it and they use this new weapon called the Graf Shield, not Grav Shield. It's, it ends with an <laughs> F. To, to... Well, so I would actually, like, I thought it was funny because like Graf, uh, Graf in German or something, I probably butchered the pronunciation, is like, it means, it's the word for count, like as in like count so-and-so. Um, and the like sister ship to the Bismarck was the Graf Spee. So I, first I was like, oh, it's like just like more weird German references because like somebody has a classics degree and somebody else was apparently like a huge World War II nerd on the writing staff. But um, when we were watching, rewatching the episode today before we watched it, uh, before we recorded, um, he calls it the gravitational focus shield. At yeah. one point, so that's where it's like I think that's it's gra it's like gravity G R A and then the F is for focus. Yep. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, I was thinking about a Van de Graaff generator, which I don't know if you say that differently in America, but that's how I learned to pronounce it in high school. Van, Van de Graaff. Yeah, I mean that's pretty close. <laughs> that that's how that's how I was taught to say it at least. Okay. Uh, but I mean that could be, that could also be another reference right there. Uh, I, I don't can know what that is. That. It's an orb. It shoots electricity at things coming near it. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> those things. Well, yeah, that was just called those like magic lightning balls or something. When I was a remember, kid. remember, you used to they used to make kids come up to the front of the class and put their hand on it so their mm -hmm. hair would stand up on end. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. You always had to you always had to pick someone with long hair though, because otherwise the short haired kids would be uh, would be felt left out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so the the. Okay. The graph slash graph slash grav shield, which I find interesting because there's there's three of them that we see, and I didn't catch the locations of the first two, but I love that the third one is on Easter Island. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. it, it make it, it it's a it's a cool it's a cool setup because like they they've if 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 they didn't have that year long jump and this thing was just there, you'd be like, where did this come from? But right. like the fact that they the fact that they've spent a year fixing up the exofleet and now Able Squad is coming back to Earth, you know, you, you you have the sense that yes, they did have enough time to build this, research it, and develop it. And when we meet the the person who did actually make it, <laughs> I could definitely see why no one would have wanted to work with him until the Neo Sapien Order came into power. <laughs> right. Uh so they destroy the the ship that's hiding behind the asteroid and they zoom in on it when it's happening and it's getting crushed into like a really tiny form of itself by the by the gravity of the grav shield and it, it, you see that it's empty so obviously it's a, a decoy or something and the scientist who comes in for first this 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 is one of those look at how cartoonishly evil Shiva is because Zenobius comes in and he's like, well, we're going to use the graph shield to do it. And he's like, it better work or else I'm going to kill you. And like, what? <laughs> That's, right. We haven't even tested this that much. <laughs> it's a pretty high stakes performance review, man. Jesus. <laughs> and Zenobius, he is Shiva the Destroyer. He's living up to his name. That's right. Yeah, he's, it's true. He's, and Zenobius is sweating. So you get the idea that maybe something's up with him. Like he doesn't quite trust what's going on. Uh, so they destroy the ship, and Shiva says, "Well, now destroy the asteroid." And Zenobius says, "Well, it's past the the 
uh, range that were it's too close to do that. And Shiva's like, hmm, because he suspects that maybe the ship was a decoy because this was too easy. Right. And he's right. Able Squad is hiding in the asteroid in little drop pods. Um, well, part of Able Squad, you have Alec, JT, Marcella, and that lady who we've been seeing glimpse, glimpses of throughout the series, uh, Lieutenant Alice Noretti. And they have some banter, and she's like, "I didn't think this would—I didn't think it would be this fun." And Marcella's like, "This is not fun. <laughs> I dislike this." And the the asteroid breaks apart as it's supposed to, and part of it hits Naredi's drop pod, and she spirals out of control and presumably dies. Yeah, which it—it's like then can, so this like raises some of the question of like why all the development why showing her and then like they put her on here and then she just dies like you know you get one line of dialogue out of her very little interaction between her and the, and the squad and then she's just dead it like, strikes me as just like a weird writing choice because like i don't know well spoilers but this this becomes important for other reasons in season on. two which i'm assuming hadn't even been written yet you know or and like i don't know did they did they know they were going to get renewed for a second season when they were writing the first season? I, I don't think they did. Or at least, at least not until they had finished making it. Right. So it's like, where did she? Like, it's just like, okay, we're going to like introduce this character. You're going to see her in the background in a few episodes. We're going to. It's like, oh, this new edition. Unless it's like one of those things where it's like, the show really likes to emphasize the stakes. People can die. Right. This is war. And this is one of those things where it's like, hey, we got one of these new people. It's going to be great. Uh, welcome to the squad, Alice. Oh, no, she's dead. People can die without having to actually like, kill off a main character. Yeah. And I think I think maybe that to me, that's where the it's it's a strong point, because like you've seen you've seen her face a few times in glimpses. So like you have this hint of recognition to her as a viewer. But, you know, she's she's obviously just joined Able Squad. We know how much JT cares about his people. And, you know, this tragic accident happens. And it's, I think it's just supposed to illustrate, like, in a war, anyone can die at any time. Yeah. And it's it's not a game. It's life and death. Right. And during this scene, they, they go to Napier, who is, like, standing heroically at a fence, looking at a picture of Amanda Connors. And he's like, I must throw away this picture now. <laughs> a year later. Like, <laughs> right. After she's already been a mouthpiece for, like, the fucking Nazis, essentially. Right. <laughs> Conveniently during her big broadcast, which I'm not even watching and might not even know is on right now. I'm just going to throw this away. <laughs> Napier knows. He's definitely a stalker boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Keeps her yeah. TV schedule. <laughs> Aww. Well, it's not only does he throw it away either, though, but it like drifts through the air towards a barbed wire fence and like lands just perfectly so that like one of the spines on the uh, or barbs on the on the fence punches through her head and is like sticking around like right out of the middle of her forehead. It's like not symbolically at all. This. Yeah, it's like, poetic. holy shit! It's kind of like weirdly symbolically violent. Uh, uh, I mean, again, she's a mouthpiece for the yeah. Death to it, collaborators. In, in this, in this, in this context, the Nazis. So you know, right, right. whatever. If a piece of barbed wire goes through a picture of her head, I'm not going to feel too bad about it at this point. Yeah. 
so the re- the resistance meets up with Able Squad, and uh, they're immediately hostile towards them. Um, but before that, before that happens, all all the rest of the pods land, and Alec nearly drowns in mud. But Marcella, <laughs> who again, like, I don't like. At this point in the series, I don't think Marcella is this strong, but he just lifts this what looks to be like a few ton object almost effortlessly and shakes Alec out into the mud. <laughs> right. It's like you could have set it down over there, man. I just saw you lift it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Although what I really love about this scene too is like right before he does that, he hops the fence separating the pig pen from the rest of the farmyard and like he's he kind of struggles. It's like this really kind of like, uh, like hop that he likes puts. It seems like he's exerting himself extraordinarily to do offense. He probably could just like step over because he's seven and a half feet tall. Exactly. And also I'm thinking like Marsala, like the NFL combine, like doing that jump exercise. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, we need a bigger room. <laughs> right. Um, and we get kind of a sense for, you know, like JT is obviously just trying to hold it together after they lost Alice. And uh, he just confirms. He's like, yeah, she's gone. Um, there's no way she could have survived that. There's also a nice character, I guess, development or whatever in the scene, because I think Alex says like, oh, no, ready. We didn't even know her name. And then there's a shot of JT kind of walking away from them. And he's like, Alice, her name was Alice. Like, <laughs> um, which is, it's kind of cheesy, but at the same time, it shows that he is really a good, what do you call it, like, captain? Uh, yeah. I don't know the technical term. The person in charge. Uh, that he actually, like, does take the time to get to know the people who work for him or work around him. And, like, that's kind of what makes him a good leader. Yeah. And I also maybe get the hint of, like, he cared for her a little more than just... A, you know a random member of his squad right yeah yeah and that's i mean i don't want to get too far into future episodes but there is like a weird sort of connection there right between the two of them and it's like is there something is there part of the story that we that's missing is there something here that like ne- never made it into um like never wound up getting animated and making it into an episode like I don't know. It's, it was always one of those like weird things. Like, remember, I remember this as a kid thinking, like, did I miss an episode? Is there something like I didn't catch, you know, that didn't air, or I like was I didn't come home from school in time to catch, or something like that? Well, yeah, because they gloss over that year real quick. It's like, yeah, episode starts a year past. Got to get going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like this one really sticks with uh, Marsh for the remainder of the show. Yeah, it does, because he he starts. Like he puts a photo of her in his E frame after this mm-hmm. to like remind him of what happened, right? And like, because he, I think he blames himself, yeah, which you know is a little uh, not that he shouldn't because he couldn't have predicted that that was going to happen, but he he is he is that type of leader who feels uh, remorse for anything bad that happens to his people, right? It's his responsibility, yeah. Unlike Phaeton, who's like, fuck it, or unlike Shiva, who's like, kill the fucking scientist if his toy doesn't work. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, like I said, the Resistance meets up with them, and they're immediately hostile once again, which is a big shift from the last episode where they were starting to kind of get buddy-buddy, but now they're like, you yeah. left us here for a year, you 
bastards. Like, right. And now you're here asking for our help. Why should we help you? Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, it's kind of sudden coming like one episode after the other, right? Like it's just like, yeah. sort of, oh, here it is. All of a sudden he's, they're pissed again. And yeah, I know it's been a year, but like in my kid brain, especially it's like, what the fuck is wrong with these? Like, what, what is extra? What does like Able Squad have to do to get these people to actually like them? Jesus, what? How? How good do I have to be for John? John or Sean? Sean. Sean Napier. Sean. Yeah. 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 The um. So uh, they they basically take Able Squad captive again, like they did the first time they met them, <laughs> and, and start to head back towards Resistance Base. And uh, as they're going, the some dogs start barking, and Alex like or JT's like oh, the dogs picked up our scent, and Alex says no, they picked up Marsala's scent, just putting in that trope of dogs are always racist for some reason. <laughs> um, I, I was like, that's weird because dogs can smell humans too. Like, <laughs> I don't know right. why they yeah. would. I don't. Is is that a thing in this universe? Is this, do we ever see this dog thing come up again? I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I don't think, yeah, think I, we see much in the way of dogs at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to also, keep in mind. Also, why are these dogs here? There's not, like, any people there. Is this a random, like, roving pack of wild dogs? Which I've seen in my real life, but I don't I don't <laughs> know if that would happen. I mean, uh, maybe their owners were killed when, uh, yeah. you know, Neo Sapiens. I mean, and I, the way I just sort of assumed it was, like, they're in, like, farm country and it's a farm dog somewhere. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm assuming right. they still have to be farming, right? Like, it's to grow food. Yep. Maybe it's Animal Farm. The humans are dead, but now the dogs have taken over and they Damn. walk on two legs. Damn. Anyway, these are all things for the TV show, the reboot. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's explained to us where these dogs... I mean, this is a crucial hole in the plot. Where are these dogs coming from? I have <laughs> Where do these dogs come from? I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny, though, because, like, Napier's being a total dick, and then Marsala's like... Oh, by the way, there's a bunch of, like, giant fucking mechas around us. I don't know if you noticed, but, uh... With your like, inferior no, no human one... ears. <laughs> yeah, I love how he just, like, drops his, like, genetically my hearing is superior to yours, human. It's just a bio-truth, Sean. <laughs> right, anatomy is destiny, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> right. I mean, there's some, like, weird eugenesis stuff in this show, and, I mean, like, fair enough, they are genetically modified, so that is a thing, but sometimes it's just kind of, like... Ooh, this is like, are we doing a bit of eugenics here? <laughs> More than a bit. The entire right. Neosapien destiny is based on eugenics. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, the, like, like Lexi just said, Marsala hears these incoming E-frames and warns the group, and sure as shit, like, three or four gigantic Neosapien E-frames come out of the woods, which... Everyone should have heard that coming from miles away, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, the one that's like a two-story building. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I also... just stuck up on you. Like, that's some serious, like, superior genetic hearing that you didn't hear it's, until it's it was, a... like, ten feet away. The Neosapiens may have uh, genetic superiority, but they definitely don't have engineering superiority. Because, like, when that big thing falls down, it crumples like an aluminum can. It's right. It's like... After getting shot, it gets hit once, precisely once, by a bunch of people with small arms. That's the other part yeah. of the scene that I really love is, like, until uh, Peter, I think it's what, Tanaka shows up? Or is it Jinx shows up? 
Jinx, yeah. Yeah, shows up with like his E-frame. It's just they're using small arms and like destroying these Neo Sapien E-frames. It's like, what are these things made of? Tinfoil? Like the 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 universe's narrative on how strong those handguns are is really inconsistent because sometimes they just harmlessly ping off things, but like JT's little double barrel wrist gun is just destroying these giant e-frames he's like <laughs> shooting them in the leg and they're all falling over and i feel really bad for jinx because he seems like he was having a really nice time just fishing with his beer waiting waiting for things to nice. end for the night and uh he, he listening thing, to some serious i just want to make sure we highlight this some serious smooth jazz too he's got some he, energy <laughs> shit going on he's just like <laughs> fishing and drinking and hanging out time um and and then uh, alec alec throws out this tiny tiny flash grenade that again is just demolishes everyone who has their eyes open and the neo sapiens try start trying to shoot at the people they've surrounded but they just end up hitting each other a bunch of times and when the in, like we were talking about before that giant e-frame falls over and crushes typhonus right <laughs> I'm pretty like I, I had to I had to look it up. I was like, is that Typhonus? Because he's wearing the same outfit, he's in his E frame, and he's got the same head like uh brood mark. And it, it's like, did he just die? Because it looks right. like he just died. <laughs> but then he <laughs> right. he shows up like fifteen minutes later and he's fine. Um my, he's, and as they're run Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say he's the rare uh person in this show that like is in a situation where he would should die and actually doesn't. It's like he he actually gets to pull off like a GI Joe. Like, oh look, I got out at the last moment. I didn't actually die. Well, he's in his E frame, so I have some like semblance of believability that he could have survived that explosion right. and being crushed like that. But still, like, it really does look like when that thing explodes, every everyone within like twenty feet should be dead, right? If not more. Um, and as they're running away, I like how Marcella's like, that was a great idea with the with the flashbang grenade. Neo sapien eyes are far more and JT's like, shut up and run. <laughs> right. It's like actually exposition, Marcella. This so is like it's a flashbang, so I mean, yeah, their eyes are more sensitive, but um isn't it Eve and Peter Tanaka are also blinded in the flash? Yeah. Because yeah, like at one point Alec like also grabs them by the backs and like pushes them out of the way. We gotta go. They like can't see shit. They're like, oh, fuck, go. <laughs> how do we? How did this happen? Yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a good plan, but at the same time, like, what an effective tool! Like, everyone should have like twenty of those on them. <laughs> Maybe Alec like made that himself. Like, it's a special like Batman concoction that he made up uh, in his workshop or something. Uh, S- super could... tiny, unlike you know, inconspicuous flash grenade. It's actually just a really tiny fusion pack that he threw threw up in the air, and if you actually were near it, you just get disintegrated. Like, yeah, it's a flashbang, JT. <laughs> uh, I kind of wish I I had something like that if I ever end up teaching in a in person class again. But like, there've been so many times I've been a TA in a class and I'm sitting at the back watching like people shop for UGG boots while the professor is lecturing, and it's like. If I could just throw like a tiny flashbang like right at their computer, that would be amazing. Sorry, I don't know if I'm revealing too much about myself right now, but <laughs> uh, you can 
Reveal whatever you want. That, that, yeah. <laughs> so I would, like I'm going to get a job anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's of, true though. I'd, I'd love a little bit of COVID I'd, humor. <laughs> I'd, I'd love, I'd love someday just to hear the like absolute horror stories that you guys have from being TAs slash teachers. I'm sure they're tremendous and hilarious at times. There's some uh, Jeet, they they get a they 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 escape this situation somehow, and uh, GT and Napier are talking about how the Neo Sapiens knew where they were going to land, and like there's a few reasonable explanations for that, but they both immediately jump to there's there's a mole in the resistance. Well, Napier says that it's on the Exofleet side, but uh, Marsala says that. Um, Oh, Napier accuses Marsala of being a traitor because mm. sapes don't change. And Marsala, after JT defends him, Marsala says something revealing where he's like, you're right. Neo-Sapiens don't really change. Our behavior is encoded in our genetics, which is a weird thing. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Because like, <laughs> like, that would make you like an a, insect. That's not a great message for kids. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> But it, I, it's this is like one of those like again interesting moments with like all the stereotypes about Neo Sapiens because like is what what we'll find out about Marsala especially as the season unfolds is that he does kind of change pretty significantly in certain ways in some ways he doesn't but his character does develop over time and he does become a sort of different person the whole act of joining Exo Fleet and becoming like an Exo Trooper is a is a pretty significant shift in moment and change for him. And it, I think it like kind of signals a certain, and this is like sort of my speculation about the character of Marcelo, who I think is like one of the best characters in TV, but like he is kind of, he's trying to, I think, change himself as part of like joining Exo, Exofleet. He's trying to get closer to humans, understand humans and see if it's possible for humans and Neosapiens to get along, which considering what we'll eventually find out about his past, is a pretty significant you know, this is a pretty significant effort at change, right? And so whether this is like some like internal, like whether he's internalized these stereotypes about Neo-Sapiens and just believes that's not possible or whether he's just kind of playing along to make peace and just be like, yeah, this is, that, that's a well-known thing, JT, that we have a problem with. Yeah, well, he, he even says it's our greatest weakness. Right. Is that we're bad at adapting and being creative. Um, and... After, after JT's like, well, it doesn't matter if there's a traitor here. We still got a mission to do, and we'll just have to work around it. And he reveals that the reason why Able Squad has come down to Earth is to destroy the Grav Shield. And I kind of like, I guess I like in the in the course of the I wrote down in the notes like, how do they know about the Grav Shield? But I guess in the course of a year, they could, you know, they probably sent like a scouting mission to Venus, and they got crushed into tiny tin cans, and they're like, oh, that's bad, right. Just or, like you know, you have humans you, working maybe. on it and building it because they're using human slave labor and somebody yeah. gets a message out and, you know. There's lots of ways they could have learned about it. It was really one of, you know, one of those moments where I'm like, how did they learn about that? Then later I'm like, oh, wait, that makes sense. They, they could have yeah. learned about it. Um, and they go over to 
we cut over to a scene of Zenobius like talking to a computer. I love it when people talk to computers to get them to do things. Like, why do we even need the people anymore? Uh, <laughs> and he's like, he's asking the computer to show him like gravitational waves in forms of electron clouds or something. And like the model collapses and he's exasperated. And then the computer's like, what do you want me to do next? He's like, make me a genius. Insufficient parameters. <laughs> yeah, he's like insightful. Have you another request? Yes. Make me a genius. Insufficient parameters. How perceptive. <laughs> and, uh... I just yeah. wanted to say, though, this scene is, like, kind of funny, because, again, this whole idea that Neo-Sapiens don't have feelings, but Zenobius, through his body language and, like, his tone and even that little, what you might call a joke, like, make me a genius, demonstrates that he's experiencing real frustration and disappointment and like i don't know i was just like he's so obviously emotive in this scene so the idea that like neo sapiens themselves don't even think that they have emotions is just weird to me again right well it really it really struck a chord with me because like he's he's experiencing i mean he actually is an imposter but he's experiencing imposter syndrome right Mm. and like that's that's something that i personally struggle with on like all the time where i'm like (laughs) Why do I have this job? Like, I'm not good enough to be doing it. And then I just, you know, you, you find ways to cope with it. But it really struck a chord with me. And I kind of mm. liked, like, seeing that depiction. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty complex set of emotions, right? And a pretty, I mean, deep sort of emotional profile to feel like, feel this way. Feel like you're letting people down. You're not smart enough. You're not capable enough. This is, it gives the lie to the whole notion that they're just like these, like, automatons. Right. Yeah, they're they're real thinking, feeling neo sapiens. I, I, I would I would say human beings, but they're well beyond human beings. Right. Uh, and I, I mean, I feel and I kind of feel bad for the guy because you know he, he we talk about in a minute when he talks about how neo sapien science is technically brilliant and all that, but he it's not that he's an idiot. He's really smart. He's just not a once in a lifetime, you know, Einstein level or whatever level genius that the other guy. That where you know we'll get to his imposter right. status that the other guy is. No, right. and, that, and you know that's that's pretty that can be pretty resonant with a lot of people. Uh, right, it's like you're great, but you're just not as great as this like once off like you know generational talent that you just can't compare with. Well, yeah, and even even on a smaller scale, like if you if you are surrounded by people who are really good at their jobs and you perceive yourself to not be as good as them mm-hmm. like that eats away at you and can affect you in multiple different ways. Right. And I think like he's experiencing that because even though on like to a standard person, he might be a genius. He's just not as good as that one guy who he works with right. <laughs> and he feels inadequate because of it. Poor Zenobius, uh, man. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor, I feel bad for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, JT and and Napier are standing up on a cliff, you know, watching, like looking out over this. And JT explains the plan of what they want to do. They want to send in Napier's group as a distraction, while JT, Alec, and Marcella go in and destroy the graph shield. Um, we they get they start to get ready for this for this assault, and Napier's team leaves. And Marsala says to JT, as they do, is like, don't feel bad about not telling them our entire plan 
classified mm. information needs to be kept classified. And, you know, that's true. JT is like, yeah, we have to make sure we can really trust them and find out who the mole is before we can tell them what we're actually doing. And they don't do the lazy thing where they immediately explain what they're going to do. They, yeah. they just move on with the scene like you would. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, the, the la- sometimes not having exposition is a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because it's a nice little scene, right, where the, you have the resistance starts their attack and the trees are all mined and, you know, the whole forest starts exploding around them. And you're waiting to see, it's like, well, what is Exo Squad going to do? And it, they kind of set it up like they're attacking and then there's, like, Exo Squad's attacking this facility and there's all these Neo Sapien E-frames waiting for them. And Exo Squad commences their attack and they're attacking something, but then the Neo Sapien E-frames are still waiting. It's a, it's a nicely put together little scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shiva, Shiva is ready for the attack because there, there obviously is at this point we've confirmed as a traitor. Uh, we don't know who it is yet, I don't believe. And uh, he, he sets off a trap. All these mines that are just obviously strapped around trees, like it, <laughs> like one, like just a little bit more effort on the animation, they could have covered them in some leaves or something. Right? <laughs> nah. Humans, their eyesight's so bad. Like, I wouldn't be able to see a giant bomb strapped to a tree. <laughs> on, a very, on a very clear night. <laughs> yeah, you need you need superior Neosapien genetics to see something like that. I mean, I, I've I've been snuck up on by, like, very giant uh, nerds in the woods while LARPing. So I can't really speak, <laughs> speak to that a lot. Like... I hear them coming. Where are they coming from? Oh no! <laughs> Fair enough. And we have we have we have more expl- we have exploding trees everywhere around the resistance. Um, you know, just another another symptom of twenty twenty. Just exploding trees everywhere. Um, the, <laughs> the the resistance almost gets taken out by this though, and uh, they have they they get they get the fuck out of there. Um, Eve loses her e frame, and then like sits up on Jinx's E-Frame's arm, like, side saddle. And I'm just thinking, yes. you're, immediate, you're immediately falling off that. <laughs> right. There's, right. There's, there's no way that arm has, like, a gyroscope stabilizer strong enough to make it so you can sit on that while it's moving. <laughs> right. No. So Peter Tanaka falls, like, a great distance into a pond. Yeah. And thankfully survives, but I was like, damn, dude, yeah. like, that... That could be really dangerous. Like hundreds of feet. Yeah, because he's being carried away by Napier trying to get to safety. And this is actually why I asked that question about 30 minutes ago. Like, is it John or Sean? Because when he falls, he yells, John. Yes, you're right. He does yell John. But it's definitely Sean. Yeah. Oh, man. I, the, one of the one of those tiny little editing things that you just you, sometimes you miss shit, but <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a pretty serious continuity failure. Like, Who's John? <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Got been called John uh, the whole time. But, and while Jinx, while Jinx is leaving with Eve, um, they they're like Sean got shot down. And like, well, we can't worry about that now. We gotta get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I really love and, the loyalty. It's just like, well, there's nothing we can do about that. Hope he well, made I, mean, it. I, I understand. I understand it a little, but you could at least like check. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, anything. <laughs> as as a result, uh, Sean gets captured, and so does this other lady who's joined the resistance at this point, named Diana. Right. And uh, we. 
I guess that happens after this. Sorry, I got a little bit out of order. Able Squad starts their attack while this is happening. And we learn their real purpose is not to destroy the Graph Shield. It's to capture Dr. Zenobius. Uh-huh. And dun, dun, dun. And Shiva's like, where are they? Are they attacking somewhere else? Uh, somebody get me a status report. <laughs> um, and and Marcella, of course, very cheesily says, Dr. Zenobius, I presume. Um, <laughs> it's a nice that. little, yeah. We, we had some, not disagreement, but like, do you think, do you remember recognizing that phrase as a child or was that just something that went over your head? So I remember recognizing that phrase as a child, but not for its actual origin. For some reason in my head for the first 25 years of my life, that line was Dr. Watson, I presume, even though Sherlock Holmes never, ever said that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because I would... I was aware of that phrase, and maybe that's just because, I don't know, Southern Africa, there's like a connection to Livingston or something, but I don't know. We we were kind of wondering if children would even pick up on that, but maybe the it's just like... The only reason I knew the phrase was my mom is a huge Moody Blues fan, and I just know the Moody Blues song. So okay. I would have never known that. Yeah. Unless, I didn't, I didn't until just down. now when I Googled it, I didn't even know there was like an actual Dr. Livingston. I just thought that was a Moody Blues reference until literally 30 seconds ago. <laughs> I, I feel like my dad said that because he would say, he would often say things from like movies and books that he read as just like his own catchphrases. And I feel like that's where I originally learned it from. But it, again, in my mind, I always feel like someone told me Sherlock Holmes once said that. Dr. Watson, I presume, even though I've checked and he never, ever did. <laughs> right. So I feel here- like it's one of those apocryphal things that's become just part of pop culture and then it gets replicated through other media. You know, it was probably like in an Animaniacs episode or something. So that is just without yeah. really no, that's actually necessarily knowing what they refer to, was. where they come from. Yeah. Is, um, so Doctor, who's this Dr. Livingstone character then? He's like some kind of 19th century British explorer guy. I, uh, Lexi, do you, do you have the good explanation on that? Because I have my shitty explanation where he was some guy who got lost in Africa, sent out a bunch of letters. Eventually, one of them made it out, and the guys who rescued him said, Dr. Livingston, I presume. Uh, I think we lost Lexi. Hello? Oh, no. <laughs> Lexi! Oh, my God, I'm back. Sorry. I don't know what happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> madness. Absolute madness. We're in the mouth of madness now. That's what happened. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just very quickly, is your is your audacity? Yeah, I left the audacity on. I think it was just a okay. Discord issue. Okay. Discord will randomly just jettison people from chat channels I had, or whatever. I had to leave and come back in because all of a sudden I couldn't hear either of you. It just like stopped making yeah, audio. Yeah, I've had that. Okay. Before. All right. Cool. I was like, I I just gave a very shitty explanation of who Doctor Livingston was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good for me. <laughs> yeah, like, because now it's like, oh, there's this isn't just a Moody Blues song. Mind blown. I, like, I don't know. I would be interested to hear Dave's uh, explanation, and maybe I'll just wait for the podcast to come out. But we have a bunch of stuff named after him in like South Africa. Like one of the residence residences in my university it was called Livingston, but then someone changed the sign so that it said Livingstone. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, random random references to my <laughs> life back home. 
excellent. Well, it, it, the, I was, all I said was that he was some explorer. He got lost. He sent out a bunch of letters. Eventually, one of them found their way back to whoever was supposed to come and get him. And they found him. And the guy who found him said, Dr. Livingston, I presume. that That's the only thing. Yeah. Know. And I think he has a connection to, like, Zimbabwe um, and Lake Victoria. But I can't remember exactly what it is. It's been many, many, many years since I had to learn about that history. Well, this isn't the Dr. Livingston podcast. Fuck that guy. Screw that guy. Fucking English jack off. Real explorers don't get lost. He was Scottish, but anyway. Um... What a jack off. Vaguely European explorer. (laughs) On that note, uh, (laughs) where the fuck were we? All right. we we just we just finished talking about Doctor Zenobius and Marsala saying that that corny line, and uh, then then we see Diana and uh, Napier get captured by uh, Shiva's forces, and I love this part where like Napier wakes up, he's got some kind of what I presume to be brain scanning device, which we see in the future, and they're they're. I guess they were using that to interrogate him while he was unconscious. And he goes, Shiva says to Napier, like, we also have uh, your comrade, Diana. And then he goes to talk to Diana and he immediately opens with, were you lovers? (laughs) Because like, obviously Shiva doesn't understand human relationships at all and thinks we're all just like monkeys. We're all just fucking each other all the time. Yeah, it's like I assume I assume the humans are breeding twenty four seven. That's why there are so many of you. Um, and she and she's she says she reveals that no, I'm doing this to free my my husband and children. And I don't remember like because I'm actually watching the series very slowly as we go through it. I don't remember if they're dead or not, but I get the distinct impression that they're already fucking dead. Well, uh, as we will find out in an episode or two, probably so. Yeah, probably. I don't know if it's ever confirmed, but well, like, yeah, it's because yeah, they're probably they're on Venus. Somewhere. She's like, oh, like you know, now that I've done this, will you take me to Venus so I can see them? But he's like, oh, she nah. say that. right. They're they're not on Venus. They were sent to Venus, which is oh, an important distinction. Oh, we'll find out. Okay, soon. sorry. They were sent to Venus. I also. Uh, there is a really nice, like, oh, sorry. I was going to say, there are, there are a couple of, like, um, great digits in this episode, because right at the beginning, the first time we see Diana with the Resistance, right at the beginning, um, they're watching Amanda Connor's show, and Diana says, oh, that collaborationist witch, I wish I could, like, get my hands on her or something. Um, which stood out to me firstly, because I was like, oh, they're just using the word witch as a synonym for bitch here, for, you know, it's a children's show, so you can't actually say, what a bitch. Um... But then later when she's in the woods and all the bombs are going off, Diana actually has like a little panic attack and she starts crying and freaking out because now she's seeing, you know, that she, her actions have now caused all this like mayhem and destruction to her own resistance comrades. I didn't even, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. So there's all these digits that she is actually the collaborationist witch, um, which gets revealed at the end of the episode. So again, like, I, you know, for what this is, like some really good writing, I think. 
and that that actually takes takes me back to something like I completely forget left out of my notes. Uh, at some point in this episode, we see we see Amanda Connors talking to Phaeton, and he's basically like, "Yes, we could solve all of your problems as long as you're willing to admit that you are the problem." <laughs> and they they end the interview, and Amanda Connors is like, "Be kind to us." Please. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Amanda Connor's either <laughs> like a very shrewd uh like media mogul or she's totally been gaslit. I don't know which of the two, but the way she's getting <laughs> her brain buttered for now. Yeah. Well she uh, like you get the sense like she could either be doing it just to survive and maybe thrive mm. a little, or she like genuinely believes that like this is a good thing. I mean, I think those are, I think, I don't think those two things are separable. I think that she has to believe that what she's doing is, is for a good cause. Um, it's like, you know, she's doing this to survive, but it's a lot easier for her to do it. It makes it a lot easier for her to go to sleep at night if she believes that Peyton really does have the best interests of humanity at heart and is trying to do. And, and Again, I don't want to get like, because like, we'll see stuff coming down the line. But, you know, I think the Neosapiens take great care to make sure that she doesn't see a lot of the harsher side of the occupation. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. kind of kept in like a little citadel, ivory citadel separated out from everybody else. And like, um, you know, allowed to live a comfortable, happy life and assume that this is how everyone else is living also. Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, so well, we get to uh, after Diana is like, I, I can't remember what she says to Shiva to like get out of that interrogation. Oh, she says, yeah, uh, I'll get back to the resistance and keep feeding you information. And Shiva fucking shoots her. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just cold blooded <laughs> caps her. He's like, well, it won't be convincing that you escaped unless you're wounded. Bang. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, makes a certain degree of sense. <laughs> um, and we go, and now we go to uh, Able Squad, who has captured Zenobius, and they're interrogating him in like a broken down barn or like a grain silo. And uh, they find out that he's a fraud. And the guy who actually built the graph shield is named Dr. Algernon, and he's on Venus. And they're like, well, how the fuck are we going to get to Venus if we can't leave Earth? And the, the episode just kind of ends there. Um, first off, Dr. Algernon, really? Uh, really? Again, <laughs> as speaking as someone with an English degree, you got to put that shit to use, okay? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Although I, I do, I after looking up, you know, what does Algernon mean? It means with mustaches. Well, with mustaches? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what is the etymology of this word? I don't know. It's... It, it just that's that's what that's what Wikipedia to, just told me right now. This is with mustaches. With mustaches, that's beautiful. Oh. Algernon is a given male is a given male name which derives from the Norman French sobriquois Ach Germans, meaning with mustaches. So <laughs> I'm sh I'm sure I'm sure I just fucking butchered all of those words but <laughs> but it's still beautiful yeah i'm not gonna try any french because i'm mine was be even worse than yours dave but uh apparently it's also an old north french word meaning whiskered so that's where the mustache 
die. Comes in. And that also now makes so much more sense why Flowers for Algernon, the mouse is called Algernon, because he's got fuck guys the humanities where would we be without (laughs) making all the connections and all the texts just i am over here with my poor stem degree and i just can't make these connections (laughs) i I need i need you guys to help me with this okay no but seriously (laughs) multiple advanced humanities degrees Whatever, I, I will defend my English degree till I die. Um. <laughs> yeah, man, that was like probably the most fun I ever had in school. <laughs> Taught me a lot about people. Um, yeah. Also, sorry. Prepare us to do a podcast about a 20 year old children's sci fi show. Exactly. How, would I el- how else would I be able to talk shit about this? Um, I did want to point out, though, I love, and I think this is in your show notes, uh, Dave, was also like Alec plays the role of like, Basically being like, well, if we can't leave Earth and go to Venus, then I guess we'll just have to kill you, Zenobius. <laughs> like, I think he uses the word eliminate. Like, it's not as strong as kill, but they they basically infer that they will, that they have no choice but to murder Zenobius because they can't take him back to the Exo fleet for a, a proper interrogation. And so it's like, oh, well, you either tell us what we want to know now or you die. And it fucking works because Zenobius can't call their bluff. I th- I feel like he would have told them anyways because I get the I get the sense that Zenobius is a little bit of a coward. Uh, he doesn't really uh, want to be doing this. He's a poor, you know, like he's this guy who's like sort of stumbled. I, I can't help but feel bad for him because he's like stumbled his way into being this head scientist, despite the fact that he's a massive imposter. And as you come to find out, yeah, there's actually a human who's doing all this work. But he's trapped in this. If he screws up anywhere, his boss is going to murder him. Uh, as we've already seen. Mm. And now he's been taken captive by a bunch of humans who are like, yeah, we're going to kill you too. <laughs> it's just this like, poor guy can never catch a break. Really just, I don't know why, but it just feels so bad for Zenobius. If Neosapiens could poop, he would have just pooped himself. Exactly. I mean, well, that's actually, that. so again, we need to know, this is where we need, we absolutely have to have like an adult live action remake of this because do they poop? They eat. <laughs> well, I, uh, we, had, we had an in-depth discussion about that last time where like, how do how do neo sapiens get rid of their waste? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. We did, but still, it's right, we have These to know. We yeah, it's like, all right. Come on, Will Will Munio or whatever your name is. Like, let's let's get this going. Uh, you know, get like Amazon Prime or Netflix to fund this. We have, we had to find out. Do they poop? This is a bit of a tangent, and I feel really bad saying this, but like every time I see, how did you pronounce it, Will Munio? Munoz, I don't know. I've, it's, there's there's a lot of vowels and 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 some. I'm sure he's a really, really lovely person, and I feel terrible butchering his name. But every time I see it, I also think about that news blooper, like um, Didi Megadudu, and I read it as Will Mangudu. Right, which you follow us up with. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I will I send it to you, and you can put a clip of it in here. Okay, actually, this. Hang on, I'm going to send it to you right now, and this actually probably should be in the, um, uh, it, it should be in our, like, you know, put a clip of this in this, just for anyone that's ever heard it either, because it's, it's fucking priceless. Audio alone is perfect. To say their final goodbyes to this fallen Louisville police officer, D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. D.D. Megadoodoo. Yeah, and I'm gonna send you the because like there's a couple different clips. So you gotta get the one that has Mangudu in it. Oh my god! 
you're such a somber story. <laughs> She's like Dee Dee Mega Doo Doo, and then I'm sorry, Mangudu. As if that's somehow better. Oh man, oh that's terrible. Oh, I'm definitely putting that in the show. Dee Dee yeah. Mega Doo Doo. So that's every time I see that guy's name, I'm like, it's Will Mangudu. Like in my mind, forever, he's just Will Mangudu. I'm sorry. It's Will Mangudu. Yeah. Will Mangudu. <laughs> We're adults. <laughs> We are adults, and adults are I'm a very sophisticated adult so, woman. Oh, I, I actually, I actually explained this to my to my aunt the other day. She's a she's a wonderful, sweet lady, but she was like, we we're talking about like strange names that millennials give their children, and she's like, "Why are you guys like this?" They're like, "Because we don't care anymore, Sandy. Like, <laughs> we are we're millennials who've thoroughly given up giving a shit." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing means it's... anything. Nothing is meaningful nope. anymore, and the world is about to be burned to a cinder while we all yeah. slowly die from a debilitating virus that has completely derailed our entire social infrastructure. Like why? So we might as well laugh at stupid YouTubers, right? <laughs> right? DD Mega Doo is the best that it gets, man. This is—it's a beacon of hope in my Blackpool life that I get to watch fucking news bloopers every month. It's like, hey, just let me have it. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And 20-year-old cartoons that provoke interesting moral questions and important mysteries like can Neosapiens poop? <laughs> on, on that note... Uh, let's, let's wrap it up, folks. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to plug something that I've made. I'm just going to plug um, the... And I've been meaning to do this for a while. The the group of podcasters who kind of inspired me drunkenly one day to message cave on and be like, we should do this. Um, there's a group called duck feed TV. Uh, if you look for them on Google, you'll find their Patreon and everything. They make a bunch of good shows where they do deep dives into nerd culture and video games. And it's really kind of the thing that inspired me to be like, what if I did that? Yeah. I might not, I might not do it well the first time around, but we, we I think we are. And, uh, now here we are, episode six, and no. And we have uh, yeah. we have our first patron, Jordan. Again, just God bless you. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan is actually an old coworker of mine. Um, he 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 started he started as an intern and now plays D and D with me. Uh, we don't work ah. together anymore, but he is. He's a great friend, and uh, I'm really happy that he's supporting us. And I hope anyone listening chooses also to do the same by going to patreon.com slash EM network. And I promise that's the last time we'll show it for now. <laughs> so what was it, Duck? Uh, until next, <laughs> until next episode. episode. Yeah. Duck TV? Uh, yeah. Duck, Duck feed. All right. Okay. Yeah. That um, and uh, Lexi, uh, Kayvon, do you have anything to plug this week? could be something someone else made. could be something you made. I need to start keeping a list of things that other people make that I appreciate. I don't know. I'm really into miniatures right now, so I'm just kind of following a bunch of people. But I'll I'll make a list if anyone's interested in looking at well-painted miniatures. <laughs> I'm a sophisticated adult woman. Um, is, is social social media where anyone on the show can find you that you want to talk uh, about? Uh, you've got so your... I think... I, I've mentioned this before. My Instagram is uh, at holdmecloser underscore tiny painter, but I should start promoting some other people who are really good. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's me. Thank you. And 
and if you want to reach the show, uh, just look in, look in the show description in the show notes, everyone. You'll find our Twitter, our Facebook, and an email address that you can reach us at. And uh, hopefully, if anyone wants to write it, if anyone writes in, we'll uh, have some time to maybe respond to some of those letters yes. at some point. Uh, we'll, put it, yeah. we'll put it in an episode for that, or at least put it in as part of an episode. Absolutely. And, and uh, that's it for today. Uh, Check out Peacock on NBC to catch up with the episodes on us. We'll be doing episode seven next time. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Take care. (laughs)